Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi. Such an amazing place to live, work, and play. You know, it really, it warms my heart when I'm out and about, and people I don't know, uh, happened happened at church this, this past weekend, I don't know, come up to me and say that they're a regular listener coast you, and they really enjoy the conversations to get to know people, you know, they enjoy getting to know people who have made incredible contributions all up and down coast of Mississippi. And um, I appreciate you doing that. I really do. It's uh, it it we, you know we are, we're really excited about where we are as a show. The number of guests that we have continues to, or the the number of people who want to be on the show, and the people who are listening to the show, the people who are engaging with the show. Um, you know, I think it I think it it make it, we're working to make a difference. At least the main thing we're just trying to keep the bar high, and also celebrate the people who are making such a great contribution to uh, coastal Mississippi. You may have heard the news recently that Vincent Creel, who's the current public affairs manager for the city of Biloxi, is going to retire. I mean, Vincent Creel now, he's almost like a monument in the city. He's been there for so long, been around for so long. Uh, Boy, is he going to leave a strong legacy, and the work that he's done is incredible. My mother-in-law, my wife's mother, is Annette Bohanovich. Mm-hmm. And she worked for the city for a number of years. And for people who know Miss Annette, know this about her, that she's an incredible wordsmith. And um, one of the things that she she posted on Vincent's, um, or the thing she posted on Vincent's wall on Facebook, it was so powerful. And I, I decided to share it with you now. And then we're going we're gonna to turn to Vincent and have an entire show focused on Vincent's mm-hmm. career and how he got to where he is now and looking back on on things, you know, what stands out for him, where were the challenges, what is he most proud of. We're going to get into all that. But here's what Miss Annette wrote. Sending my sincere congratulations and still trying to envision the city of Biloxi without a public affairs manager extraordinaire it has relied on so profoundly for the last 25 years. Having worked in that beautiful marble building with you for most of those years, I've always admired and can attest to your genuine love for the Gulf Coast, particularly the city of Biloxi. Your eloquence as a spokesman, your exceptional writing skills, and your remarkable proficiency juggling all of the numerous aspects of your sometime, most of the time, thankless job are without a doubt unequaled. Sit back now, commend yourself on a job well done, and enjoy your well-deserved retirement. Well, to be quite frank with you, uh, uh, Vincent Creel has always been a guy behind the scenes that has often been sort of the glue that kept it all together. And I've known that as a former publisher of the Sun-Herald, having worked with Vincent at the Sun-Herald. I know the kind of guy he is. I know how he thinks. And it's a pleasure to have Vincent Creel on Coast View today to reflect on his career. Good morning, Vincent. How are you, buddy? Good morning. Good morning. Those, those are some very kind words, and I just think the world of Annette Bahanovich. She is just the greatest. She always told you how she felt. She did not mince words, but she was uh, she was someone who was just very eloquent, and yes. I appreciated her honesty. And uh, you know, it, it just I've enjoyed this. I don't know what else to tell you other than <laughs> I've tried to uh, I've tried to make it to where it's about us doing the work. It's not about 
it's not about me or it's not about Cecilia. And um, that's that's served me well. Uh, the thing that hasn't served me well is just speaking my mind. And, and I'm always going to do that. And I've been very fortunate to have um, to have a wide berth. The mayors gave me a wide berth. And I'm very thankful for that. Well, we're going to do a lot of looking back today, but, you know, just as you sort of reflect, when you sit there in your quietness of your thoughts and reflect about the fact that you're literally headed, steaming quickly toward retirement, what goes through your head? It's a very emotional time because I've never been in a position where I I didn't have a job, you know, and quite frankly, uh, I only want to retire from this job. I'm not retiring from life. I'm not retiring from the things that I like to do and the uh, whatever interests I develop. Uh, quite frankly, I haven't developed a lot of interests over the years. I don't have a lot of friends and everything was focused on this job. But the friends I do have are very good friends. But uh, that's what it's always been about for me. It, it's been a, a source of immense pride to be able to have this, this, uh, this body of work. It's a source of pride that I had so many people helping me along the way. That was the biggest thing, you know, to go from uh, to have the support of of Mayor Gillich, Mayor Holloway and the different department directors. And essentially what our job is, is not to take the city side. Our job is to essentially tell people, here's what decision was made. Here's why that decision was made. And uh, sure, the mayor thought about this and the mayor thought about that, but he decided to take this route for this reason. That way, if people have a problem with it or if they don't agree with it, they at least know why the city's doing what it's doing. Uh, this, this traffic plan coming up this weekend is a perfect example, you know, where we, we have to tell people, here's what's going to happen, here's why it's going to happen, and here's what you need to know. We call it art. Accurate. <laughs> relevant and timely. And if we can do that or hit two out of three, then we're doing, we're doing pretty good. You know, Vincent, when I look back on your career, um, a couple of things come to mind and I'm just, just at a high level. And then we're going to, we're going to actually take a step back after I say this and go back to where your love of writing came from, your time at the Sun Herald, et cetera. But two things really stick out to me. The first one is simply your ability during some of the most tumultuous times in the city of Biloxi's history, you know, in the wake of Katrina, to be able to put words to the God almost infinite number of variables that were that were having to be dealt with, being able to put words to that in a way that brought people together, that gave people hope, that helped them understand that I know it's complex, I know there's a lot happening, but you brought a level of, uh, you know, first you thought it too really well as a communicator, but it's a level of simplicity and hope to every speech you wrote, to everything you wrote that that was communicated through the city of Biloxi. That has always been important to you, hasn't it? It has. I got I got one of the highest compliments from a guy that I used to work for years ago, Tim Crean. Tim Crean was the managing editor of The Sun when there was The Sun and The Daily Herald. And Tim Crean is now in Florida, but uh, his dad was here during Katrina, died in Katrina, in fact, Norman F. Crean. But what Tim sent to me the other day was he said, you know, one of the things you've been able to do is maintain your credibility over 25 years. And he said, that is not easy to do. 
And uh, that, to me, that that's the highest compliment that uh, that a person can receive. That you maintained your credibility. And uh, and and sometimes I do bite my tongue. But if I'm going to argue with Mayor Holloway or if I'm going to argue with Mayor Gillich, it's going to be in their office behind behind the door. You yeah. know, and because it's not my pl- I don't my, I don't make policy. My job is to explain policy. That's the that's the the biggest thing. And uh, that's you know that's just essentially the job, man. I've tried to keep it simple. Yeah. I've tried to keep it, and it it gets back to just thinking. You know, like in our in our little newsletter that we do, we don't say public works in the list of frequently called numbers. You know, we say streets and drainage. You have to put yourself in the way that the John Doe citizen's going to think. And once you can do that, you're helping them find out this is their money. They're paying me. They're paying for this desk. They're paying for this computer. So they deserve to uh, to get a good return on that. And well, I think you, it's always been. I think you've been, you've been a master at that. And um, I would say I said there were two things. So the second thing that I would say is I look back on what you did, and it really sort of goes to the point you were just making, that you wanted to always put what you said no matter in what form it was in, in a perspective of the citizen of Biloxi so they could understand it from their perspective, not from a policy perspective or council or mayor perspective, from their perspective, what's the impact going to be on them? And in that regard, you know, me being sort of a digital media guy coming from digital media, watching you, uh, what I'd just say would be, would be developing a best practice of, of all, all the coast communities, whether it be the county seats, or the municipalities along the coast, that you guys have developed a best practice in terms of how you communicate with your people, whether it be through video, whether it be through social media, whether it be through the the newsletter that you guys put out, whether it be on the website, whether it be in special communications that you do from time to time, the traffic plan that you mentioned, we won't get into the details of that, but you have a very specific approach that you take to make sure that the citizens of of Biloxi have an understanding of what that traffic plan is going to be. And your point always was, people receive information in different ways and we need to be able to give them that information the way they want to receive it and as a result of that the general i will say the general public of of the city of biloxi if they're adept at all in understanding or wanting to understand what's happening in the city of biloxi there's a mechanism for them to to learn and uh, and that has gone really well hasn't it it has. And, and the big thing on that is we can put out all of this information. We can deliver that newsletter to your house. You can look in your inbox. You can see it's on Facebook. But we're, we're, it, it's a cliche, but we are literally trying to empower people to engage with their government. If they want to know anything about what's going on in Biloxi, we want to make it easy for them to know. Because it gets back to that point of, you know, that's they're paying for all of this. <laughs> they deserve to know how their money's being spent. Well, what you're saying is, and we're coming to the end of this segment, you want them to be engaged in democracy. And it's interesting that the Sun-Herald, you know, if you think about the role that newspapers play, they help keep democracy viable. So what you learned at the Sun-Herald about that role and the role of, uh, of a public affairs person, and a journalist, really helped empower you. When we come back, we're going to retrace some of those steps at the Sun-Herald. We'll see you after this break with Vincent Creel.
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, we have Vincent Creel who's retiring as the public affairs manager for the city of Biloxi, and uh, he's going to be handing off the baton of that department over to Cecilia Dobbs Walton. And the city's going to be in good hands, huh, Vincent? I think she is she is eminently qualified for this job. She's been here to see, you know, how it's done, what to do. And, um, you know, she says, I'm not going to be able to do this job the way you do. I said, you don't have to do this job the way I do. Do it the way you do it. You are trained. You're, you've got some experience and uh, and you can do it. I told her that if I've been able to do it for 25 years, she ought to be able to do it for as long as she wants. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a lot different today, though. I mean, back when we worked at the newspaper, Ricky, there, you know, there was that print product every day and that was it, you know, yeah. right there. But you yeah. look today at, at all of the, you know, the, the myriad avenues you have to communicate with people. So once you create one of those, you're, you've now created a 600 pound gorilla that wants to be fed <laughs> on a regular basis. You know, it, it, it's really. Isn't true. that true? Isn't yeah. that true? So, Vincent, one of my hopes for Coast View has been. And uh, with over 600 conversations in the past over two years now, is to is to take people like you and sort of hold you up as an example. We'll celebrate you for sure, but hold you up as an example for other people who do jobs similar to your job across coast of Mississippi. They might learn from, from your experience. You've learned a lot in 25 years. And I think the way to really fully appreciate how the depth of your understanding is to sort of go back to the beginning. So where did your love of writing come from? I found it easy to do. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it. And I look at it like if you're a reporter, that makes it a lot easier than being a writer. A reporter is going to tell you what happened, you know, whereas you don't have to get in there and do all of the, you know, all of the color and everything. You want to make it as vivid as you can, but you don't want to get in the way of the story. And it, and it just gets back to that. You know, people people see me and Cecilia and what they'll look at us because we might they might see us on the six o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news. It's not about us. It's about what we are saying. And that's been a that's been a real important thing. And uh, I'll tell you, looking back on my life, everything that happened in my life put me in prepared me for this position. I mean, God created a plan for me by giving me two great parents who gave me every tool I needed from from education to joining the workforce to just to just trying to do the best I could. And I look back at all of the people who have been in my life at each one of those steps. And when I was doing my uh, my initial interview with Mayor Holloway, he said, what makes you think you are qualified for this job? And I said, well, I think I'm, I'm uniquely qualified. I said, you're looking for somebody with experience in city government. My grandfather worked up here for 20-something years as a city commissioner, elected citywide for 20-something years. So I got the experience of government from that, watching it as I grew up. And then the second thing was working at the newspaper working on how to meet a deadline, how to write a story, how to spot the lead, how to get it done. So, I mean, it was just funny after that, you know, I said, I'm uniquely qualified. And so that was, uh, that was the, 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 the next phase of my life when I started this job. But looking back on it, everything I did prepared me for this moment. 
What's interesting to me is that you go back, go back to your newspaper days for a second. You were marquee editor, the entertainment publication of the Sun Herald for a very long time. It seemed to me that you were always going to be in that role because in my, in my, you know, sort of estimation of it, you were kind of Mr. Entertainment. You you fit that role perf- perfectly, didn't you? <laughs> Jean Prescott often wondered where I was. She would say, well, you know, everybody's showing up at nine in the morning. And I said, you know, Jean, and you remember Jean, she was a, she was oh, a car. God, yes. She was yes. a car. And she would tell you how she felt in no uncertain yeah. terms. But anyway, what happened was uh, I told Jean, I said, well, you know, the guy that covers City Hall, He's got to go to the city council meeting, say one o'clock or whatever. I said, but if I'm covering entertainment, that's all happening at night. I got to cover my beat. So I had every way to get around anything that was in my way. And I'm just so, so blessed, so fortunate to have a lot of patient people in my life. A lot of people who would, as I said earlier, give me that wide berth, that latitude to hopefully do great things. They gave me enough rope to either I was going to hang myself or build a beautiful macrame. One of the two. Well, what you did is you you became Mr. Marquis. And I I, I, look back on those days and I remember so well when you say you were out there, out and about and avoiding having to come into early meetings and all that, you really did literally absorb yourself. You literally really took the entertainment beat of coast of Mississippi, which, man, that's a lot to cover. There, Even back in those days, you took it super seriously, didn't you? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And again, it gets back to thinking about what people are going to want to see in the entertainment guide. They're going to want to see movie reviews. They're going to want to see a calendar of events. They're going to want to see something in there that gives them the need to go back and read that every week. And uh, and again, there was just a tremendous staff there that helped make it happen. And uh, that's that's been where I've been most lucky that there was a great supporting staff or great leadership to help me get things done. And uh, I always thought a good boss was one that just told you your job and just stayed out of the way and let you do your job. Yeah. And asked me, well, what if I make a mistake? I said, have no fear. There'll be a bunch of people around to tell you (laughs) that you've made a mistake. But that's the only way you learn. It is. It is for sure. It is for sure. Hey, look, what was it when you came to the Sun Hero? What was your first job? My first job, and you're going to laugh and Kyle's going to laugh. My first job was writing obituaries. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, if you want to uh, make sure that you're accurate, that would be the place to do it with an obituary. And because, I mean, and by the way, think about this when you were a publisher. Anybody out there in the in the circulation area that you might have made mad for whatever reason, they might be sitting on a jury one day. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, it it was it was a matter of uh, that's where I learned how to make sure you do things accurate, how you get the number of survivors correctly, how you know how to spell their names. And once you mess that up once or twice, You've learned how important it is. So that that's what uh, that's what taught me a lot. That basic thing. Now, where I came to the Sun Herald was I was at uh, Gulf Coast Community College, and there was a guy that worked there named Bruce Lott. And Bruce Lott, Bruce Lott was writing the obituaries on the weekend, and that's where he got tired of doing it after a couple of years. And that's where I got my foot in the door. 
writing obituaries. And uh, before that, I helped out at Gulf Coast Community College while I was a student writing for Winford Moncrief, who was the public affairs person for the community college. So from writing from there, then the next step was working at the newspaper. And uh, then it just went on from there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I uh, worked at the newspaper right at 13 years, and I enjoyed every enjoyed every minute of it. And you said I worked there for a real long time. 13 years was a real long time. <laughs> uh, God was on my side again, and and knew that that was the time for me to make that transition. To and I was offered a job at all places, the Biloxi Bell. I worked there for one year, first job I'd ever been laid off from. And uh, then uh, I went to work at the Coliseum for about three months. I thought about going back to the newspaper because I'd given six weeks notice there. And I always knew that was there. And, and Roland Weeks was just uh, just the best. Remember how I told you about people giving me a, a wide berth? He was one of them. <laughs> yeah. There, there was so I've gotten, I, you know, one of the things in my life is I found that I haven't gotten what I deserve. And I'm so lucky for that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten what I deserve. You know, it, it's just been a great career. And um, I, I don't know what the next step is. To be So are you saying when you say you haven't gotten what you deserved, are you saying that you were a handful? I'm saying that I was no day at the beach. <laughs> People would say, well, how was A.J. Holloway to work for? And I told him the same thing. He was no day at the beach. But then again, I was no day at the beach either. I gave this guy plenty of reason to just look at me and say, you know, you do a good job, but you just got too much baggage. <laughs> so I was always lucky in that respect. And I just loved him to death. To, to, to be able to work for the longest serving mayor in the history of our city. To be right there on the front row, not making the decisions, not doing that, but just being the eyes and ears to where I can turn around and tell pub- tell the public, here's what happened, here's why, here's what the thinking was. And that that has just been a joy of my life to be able well, to do that. You were a good fit with AJ because he was a man of few words. And you you had to take his intentions and his thoughts and his decisions and fill those in but it worked i mean sometimes you know sometimes that's where a collaboration turns out to be better you know that the the sum of the two parts is actually greater than just you know each of you individually um it was a good match wasn't it i i loved it I, i was talking to uh to west fulmer over to people's bank yesterday and uh and I told Wes that one of the one of the early compliments I got was from Chevis Sweatman. And I ran into Tim Hinckley, the former general manager of the Isle of Capri, the guy who who uh, brought this industry here in Biloxi and in a great way with the Isle yeah. of Capri. But anyway, both of, them, both of them ran into me at some point individually now. And one and they both said that you're doing a great job. We really appreciate it. And I've been on a job like a week, week and a half. And I said, well, I'm curious, what was it that I've done that has caught your attention? And they said, well, you know, we see Mayor Holloway speak a lot in public, and we can understand what he's saying. A.J. <laughs> <laughs> Holloway knew he was not a good communicator. A.J. Holloway did not like giving public speeches. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, he, uh, he let me do my thing, and, and I, I, I really appreciate it. 
you were good. You 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 are not just were. You are a good speech writer. You're again your ability to convey vision and and accomplishments is incredible. And AJ always delivered his speeches with force. And uh, we'll reflect a little bit more on AJ, and then we'll shift gears to the Fofo era. Well, I want to look back on Katrina, and there's some very very difficult times for the city, but. But, you know, the the mayor bought some insurance. That was a big step, big, big step in the history of Biloxi. We'll come back to that in just a second with Vincent Creel. See you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a conversation with Vincent Creel, the public affairs manager for the city of Biloxi, who's retiring. And we're sort of looking back on his life and career. And um, in particular, we're sort of in the A.J. Holloway, Mayor A.J. Holloway era, the longest serving mayor in the in the history of the city of Biloxi. Uh, I remember, I, I have so many AJ stories, but I remember, you know, we had lots of editorial board meetings together and we talked a lot, you know, just the two of us together. And I remember uh, a couple of times when I, when we would, we would give him sort of a, a very uh, descriptive history of a question and then give him the question and then his answer would be, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, and that, and we were, you know, we would, we wouldn't say anything. We'd let dead air, and fin- finally, he might fill it in a little bit. But, but, uh, you know, but sometimes he was very talkative. But, but other times, most of the time, he was not very talkative. And that was just, that was just AJ, wasn't it? There was a, there was a great description of him. I think it was in the Philadelphia Inquirer. And David Staling, the former director of administration, and I would, we used to laugh about that. This writer, and I think he might have been here with, uh, with uh, the group uh, from uh, Night Ritter. Yeah, Night Ritter. Ritter. Yeah, and so this guy, he, he described A.J. Holloway in the story as a small, emotionless man. <laughs> we laughed about that for the longest time. And it said that he, he kept the, the briefest amount of distance between his chest and the cards he held. And, that's how he, and I'll tell you what some, one of his strongest things was, in my opinion, is that people saw how he talked and how little he talked, and they completely underestimated him. They mm-hmm. looked at him like, well, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He used that to his advantage. He was the sharpest knife in the drawer. And it gets back to, how can you be elected that many years? Because, you know, in, in just one or two years in public life, you're going to build up a ton of enemies. You know, but to go that long for... For that stretch of time and accomplish so much. And by the way, one of the things people always focus on is Katrina, 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 because it was a similar event of our lives. But let's take it, let's go a step back from that. We were enjoying the most prosperous time in the history of our city in those four to five, ten years right before Katrina. I mean, we, we were seeing record-breaking numbers then. And uh, one of the things I remember, Steve Risher was the tourism director at the time. And the thing that he was promoting was voters. Voters had came out with a survey and they said the top three emerging destinations in the United States were Las Vegas, Orlando and Biloxi. (laughs) 
Those were the and when you're in company like Orlando and Las Vegas, Steve Brisher knew the importance of that. And we're talking about, I mean, that was in the period before Katrina, you know. So, I mean, there was a whole bunch of great things going on there well before Katrina. But but yeah, Katrina, um, no doubt about it, man. Well, hey, but but Vincent, and because of that though, because of those days. Those incredible, the incredible growth that the city appreciated, and how it changed its tax structure and the opportunity to invest in the city and all that. That's why the mayor sort of went on a on a on a crusade to ensure for business loss in case of a major storm. And I, you know, at the time, people were saying, "Gosh, there's a lot of money to to pay for a policy like that." That turned out to be a brilliant decision, didn't it? What he did was, and, and David Staling had been down in, uh, I think, Orange Beach. And what they found happened was Orange Beach, which was heavily reliant on the tourism industry every summer, more so than we are, you know, and that ours is kind of stretched out. And, of course, now you got the casino component now. But in Orange Beach, what they did was they took out business interruption insurance on their sales taxes for the summer. And so... That's when David Staling told Mayor Holloway, I really think you need to look at this. Now, Stewart's Need Hughes, which is Bancor, uh, what, what's the name of the BX? Bancor, they will tell you that was their idea, too. Isn't it funny how when you got a great idea, it's got multiple <laughs> fathers, but nobody will take credit for some of the other things. So what Mayor Holloway convinced the city council to do was to spend $94,000 on a $10 million business interruption policy. And that thing hit like nothing else. And nobody, he was, CBS News called him the person of the week that week. <laughs> not for Damas could not have predicted to make a call like that. Now, Ricky, an interesting thing is whenever they went to go look at it a few years later, uh, it would have been like, I, don't, I think it was like double or triple the price. And the storm would have had to hit. The eye would have had to hit within 50 miles of Biloxi. And the thing about that is, who's ever going to be able to say where the eye was without any argument? You right. Know? So it, 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 it just went up so high in price that it was just, it was, you know, you couldn't do it anymore. So that was, a, yeah, that was one heck of a thing. But uh, I think there were a number of things. When you look at the Donald Snyder Center, you look at the Lopez Quay Public Safety Center, you look at all the roads that were paved in East Biloxi and North Biloxi and over in West Biloxi, when you look at the, uh, the A.J. Holloway Sports Complex, when you looked at, we went through a period of time where we had absolutely no major controversies, you know? Uh, Mayor Holloway, after Katrina, he thought we might have 30 casinos in Biloxi. He really did. And yeah. he said, I don't know if I should say that. And I said, well, I think what you should say, in my opinion, is, is that based on the interest you are seeing and the questions you are getting, we could see this. And, Ricky, that gets back into the transparency. That gets back into telling people that, you know, people have always said, well, the government's going to want casinos everywhere. The fact of the matter is, Property owners are going to want casinos everywhere. It's not something that's being led by the city. The city's job, as I've always seen it, is to protect the quality of life for its residents, mm -hmm. not for its businesses, for its residents. That's what I've always thought that we should look at. You know, the businesses, they know the rules when they're coming in. You know, they can move here. They can move anywhere. But what we've got here is people who have generations of families living here, and we should protect their quality of life.
Hey, I didn't know about the Orange Beach connection, incidentally, on the insurance policy. When I was in Alabama, as you know, I led the the um, uh, uh, Coastal Recovery Commission for Governor Riley, which was the planning effort to sort of get over the oil spill. But in Baldwin County, on, on the coast of Baldwin County, which is, of course, is Orange Beach and Gulf Shores, mm-hmm. 25% of the entire tourism revenue for the state came in three months. <laughs> See? That's what I mean. Twenty-five percent, which of course, at, you know, the oil spill hammered that area, and it meant that we had to really focus on resiliency. But boy, the mayor must have been obviously the mayor was seriously impacted by that visit, because uh, you know the same thing was going to happen here in Biloxi if we got hit by a big storm, which is what happened. Hey, listen, who said? Okay, we we associated it with AJ, but one of the most powerful statements made after the storm was this statement that said. That Hurricane that Hurricane Camille yeah. killed more yeah. people in 2005 than it killed in 2000 and, and excuse me 1969. Now what did AJ say that? No, I'll tell you who said that was my brother-in-law Jim Holt. Jim yes. Holt. Now it was attributed to me in a number of places, but that was said by uh, that was said by Jim Holt. Uh, he works with Dennis Stifel. Right, I know Jim well. Yes. Yeah, well, Jim's. I was sitting over at his house one night after Katrina. All the family was there. He, this is a guy that had a generator. He had a water well. So that was the place to go every night. And we were just sitting there one night, and he said, you know, I think Katrina or Camille killed more people just a few days ago than it did in 1969. And I looked at him just like Katie Couric looked at me and said, what do you talk What do you mean? And what Jim Holt said was, is that everybody back in 1969, they went through Camille and they said, we'll never see anything like this again. So that was what you call fatalistic thinking for when Katrina rolled around. There was another Camille. What a powerful statement. I know AJ used that from time to time because it was important to get the message across in the future. You can never make a you can never make your decision on whether to evacuate or not based on the last experience because every storm is going to be quite different. You you bring up a topic that I wanted to touch on just for a minute. And that is that I hope that we do not come complacent on future storms. Now, yes. what was that? Last year, we had a Category 3. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. So now I ask you, at what point do we shut down the casinos? If not yeah. for a Category 3, when is it going to shut down? Yeah. Because we, we have that responsibility of all of these people here that, that don't know the dangers of a hurricane, all of these visitors. And quite frankly, if you open that casino or any casino, there are going to be people who go there. Yeah. You know, So that's one thing that I hope that we do not take lightly because it's been a number of years since Katrina. But we just had a Category 3, and I could not believe, quite frankly, that those casinos stayed open. Not every one of them. But, I mean, Ricky, that, that was a travesty, quite yeah. frankly, if someone had been killed. Now, I can say those things today because my foot's just about out the door. <laughs> well, we'll I, I, I think, as always, we hope we learn from the, you know, the accumulation of our experience and that safety is always first. Hey, when we come back, we're going to shift gears away from uh, the A.J. Holloway era. In the final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fofo Gillage uh, uh, era on and on, where we go, on where on we go from here. Where we go from here. We'll see you after this break.
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're, we're having a, a delightful visit with my friend <laughs> Vincent Creel. Um, who says he never got what he deserved. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I'm very lucky. But you know what? I, here's what I have found. I found, that, I found that some of the smartest, most creative, most capable people, you had to be willing to give them rope. You had to be willing. You, that's what delegation is. The difference between assigning something, you tell someone what you want the impact, the end result to be, and you follow them every step of the way. That's what assigning is. Delegation is, here's a here's a result I want, and then get out of the way and let them go make the result. And you've always been good at that. I, but, so, but, but, but I think your first part there, when you assign and you follow them all the way, I, I would tend to call that micromanagement. Yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> there's there's absolutely no doubt about that. Neither one of us, neither one of us operated well in an environment where micromanagement was the prevailing management style. <clears throat> That's why Roland Weeks enabled you and me and others like us to really blossom inside that company. It was just incredible, the, the uh, contribution he made to this community, isn't it? That, Ricky, I, I know you disagree with me on this, but that, that is one of the most saddest things that I have seen, how the that industry, I want to say go downhill, but you will say has evolved. Yeah. And, and to me, the, you just can't beat the printed word. You cannot beat the print. And I know it's on a computer screen now, but I was born and I believe that there's a demographic out there that still wants to hold something in their hand and read it. There's yeah. just something powerful about that. I totally, I totally agree. Frankly, I, I think that uh, having readers is not really the issue. It's just that the business model, the print, the newspaper is so expensive. The advertising costs so much, and in digital that. media, you can be very targeted and less expensive. It was just, it was, it's just unfortunately when, where the world went. You know, when, when I left the conversation, you told me. Get over it. <laughs> hey, when I when I was at when I left the Sun Herald in two thousand nine, we had I think over fifty people in the newsroom, and there are less than five today. And you, how do you cover community like Sun like the coast? And and it's not anyone's fault. It's just that the entire media industry has transformed itself, and uh, and printed newspapers are unfortunately uh, have had to struggle through that transition. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> getting back to Fofo. Um, if you look at what Fofo has to say, Grace, over going forward, the city of Biloxi's future is incredibly bright, isn't it? I think it is. I really do. When you look at all the variables, and you know, Mayor Gillish was saying this. Uh, Mayor Gillish was saying this uh, quite a while back, before we had whatever the most recent storms were in the past couple of years. We sustained the market here in Biloxi as strong as everybody wants to say it is, we sustained, and it is, we sustained the growth or the opening of Scarlet Pearl over in Diabraville. We sustained, you know, or, or withstood is the word I'm looking for. We withstood the opening of Island View over in Gulfport. And then a little while after that, we were bigger than we were before. So he looks at those variables to see what our numbers are and what competition we had to point out that this is a time for growth. 
And and I think we got the Tivoli project down there that you've heard so much about. Supposedly, they've got the financing. They're ready to move forward. And they're waiting on a Tidelands issue, for, a Tidelands lease from the Secretary of State. Uh, the one up at the Broadwater is, is primed and ready to go. Roy has been working on that. Roy Anderson's been working on that for the longest time. But to think through COVID and everything else, you still have these things moving forward that are that are, you know, in play. And, and I, I just think if on a soapbox for a minute, I, 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 I'm not a fan of throwing away the Biloxi name. And what I mean by that is we can talk one coast, we can talk coastal Mississippi, we can talk Mississippi's beach, we can talk what, I mean, we can talk about all of this branding, everything we want. But quite frankly, Biloxi's the name they know. Biloxi's the name we ought to be going with, quite frankly. When you look at the impact of Keesler Air Force Base and the number of people who have gone through there, when you look at the name recognition across this country, they don't know one coast. They don't know Mississippi Gulf Coast. They don't know Mississippi Beach. But you say that name Biloxi, they're going to know that. And quite frankly, that's where the people come to when they're coming here to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We should not throw that name away. We should be leading with that. When you fly into New Orleans, where do you fly into? You fly into what, Metairie? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, you know? I mean, that that's where I think we're, we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater so that we can be all things to all people who live here. We shouldn't be catering to the people who live here. We should be catering to the people that we want to get to come here. That just gets back to the same philosophy I had on whenever we write stuff. Write it with your audience in mind. Speak to your audience. I wanted to say that because I had the opportunity to say it. Well, I think it's important for you to say you have a, a strong perspective about it. You know, it's we the last conversation I had with Fofo about the about Biloxi and the activity that's happening there. It is very, very significant. And we got less than a minute left, unfortunately. <clears throat> but it's going to be it's going to be something to watch as downtown continues to explode, as as uh, entrepreneurs continue to spend millions of dollars on development there and so many more things coming. Boy, is a future bright. Vincent, listen. It's been a pleasure to work with you. I continue to, I'll continue to communicate with you long after you're in this position. But, uh, but thank you so much for all, all your energy and effort over the past many years. And uh, God bless you, my friends, and Godspeed to you. Thank you very much. I've, I have, Ricky, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Even on days when I didn't enjoy it, this was the love of my life. And everything prepared me for this job. That's it, man. I appreciate it. Well, Keep thank you doing, so much. Doing what you're doing. <clears throat> this is uh, this has been Vincent Creel from the city of Biloxi. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.